Aloha and welcome stewards of the earth and humanitarians to another episode of A Dose of Positivity, where I have the great privilege to interview passionate changemakers, thought leaders, social and environmental innovators, and wellness professionals. For those of you who are listening for the first time, thank you so much for joining us. And this is a reminder that it is a live conversation. So if you would like to put your comments or questions in the chat, we appreciate all your feedback. And for those of you um, who uh, want to hear this episode again, you can find it on our YouTube channel and our podcast channel. And a reminder for our daily dose of positivity, join our Facebook group where you are encouraged to to share your cherished positivity and absorb others. If you wish to receive positivity updates and future on future episodes and receive inspirational weekly blogs or enjoy being a guest on one of our future episodes, kindly provide us with your email. So as always, I bring you guys the best of the best, and today I is no less. My special guest is Nina Simons, and she is going to be speaking on the topic of the relationship between nature, culture, and the sacred. Um, Nina will share and help us see the sacredness of living in harmony with all life all ages, all genders, including our four-legged friends and those without. And as we're waiting for our guests, more guests to show up, um, I want to first of all welcome you, Nina, and thank you so much for being here. Nina is also the co-founder of Bioneers with her adorable husband, Kenny, and I always say his name wrong, so I'm just going to say Kenny, but most everybody who's on here know Kenny. How do I say Kenny's last name? Archibald? Archibald. Archibald. Beautiful <laughs> name. So, um, you guys, I'm just going to read a, a short story from my book because it'll it's a nice little warm-up as people are coming in, and it's going to be leading into some of what we are going to be discussing today with Nina. This is from Living Life, my book, Living Life for Future Matters, and it is in the chapter Root Rock, The Tipping Point called the mission-driven businesswoman. And I quote it, stop it, stop the craziness. The bitch issue. In 1980, when I was 22, I dug into my first business without considering the odds of being a woman. The pressure to subscribe to the American dream stayed present as did the daunting stereotype role of the bitchy businesswoman. I continually tried to prove myself in the male-dominated business world. It could be hard. And the physical pain that I endured all those years made it even harder. The entrepreneurial traits that I inherited from my strong like bull innovative father was to be a rule breaker, to be full of tenacity and passion, and to have a bold vision. That worked for him. So why wasn't it working for me? A smart woman with a strong personality. I was on a mission to heighten people's awareness of our Mother Earth's majesty and the grandeur of a woman's 
ingenuity, a bold vision. God knows I had passion and tenacity. Being intentionally mission-driven with so many obstacles, there were times I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel and everything around me got dark. I could feel boxed in by the social rules and the norms that were unacceptable to me. I often could feel the pressure stifling my creativity and my drive. Yes. pressure get the best of me. In the media, women were portrayed as witches, superheroes, or sex objects. Remember, this is 1980. The superficial and unrealistic expectations of what a woman should be created confusion, resentment among strong-willed women. You were expected to have a fashion model figure or a Hollywood appearance, flaunting tits and ass, or at the least cleavage, was a way to make progress. It did not matter if you were smart. Sex was the fastest way to the top. Have things really changed? I could not understand why women throughout history were labeled as either a Madonna or a whore, and now adding into the mix a bitch. Why are strong, intelligent women in leadership's roles thrown into these degrading categories? There was no shortage of mixed messages, and I found myself with an identity crisis. During those few years when I struggled with some, some people did label me a bitch. It was a heavy burden being looked upon as a self-righteous bitchy boss. On top of that, the self-sabotage or leader. Extra weight began, became a shield of armor, protecting my pained body and aching heart from predators and slander. I chose not to give up my business to my to to be or to end. To, I chose not to give up my business to be a mother. Unfortunately, other women were doing just that, claiming it was too hard as they were tired of fighting the male-dominant work culture. They were fed up trying to climb the corporate ladder on un un unequal treatment and pay. It is ludicrous that the obsession, the oppression of women is still prevalent today. Women have so much to offer the male-dominant business world. They add tremendous value, intuition, and insight. But I also witnessed that women were being harder on one another in, in this competitive world. I wondered if women were set up by insensitive men to fail, to keep us in a place, and to keep us weak. I learned if we respect and honor our different gendered roles and strengths, that, that is when we find the harmony. Undeniably, each other values underlying them is bad backwards. Thank you for allowing me to share that story with you. And that was just a little recap before I give you the beautiful introduction that Nina Silence deserves is that was at the time when I had been running my business for about eight, nine years, my bakery and cafe in Alaska had a major injury and it was pain in every direction. But here's the thing. I went through three or four years and then you know what? I rose like a phoenix. 
And so can you, no matter where you are in your life right now, including Mama Donna or anybody who you are out there, it is our time to rise. And what Nina's gonna bring home, you are gonna, you're, she, she knows so many incredible women, just humans. She knows the feminine, the divine, and all beings. And she's gonna bring that forward. But first, a proper introduction of, for those of you, and I can't imagine too many on this call, would not know who she is. But she is the co-founder and chief relationship officer at the Bioneers. And she leads it every woman's leadership program, which is incredible. Throughout her career spanning the nonprofit and social entrepreneurship corporate, corporate and philanthropic sector, Nina has worked with thousands of diverse women leaders across all disciplines, races, class, age, and oriented to create conditions for mutual learning, trust, leadership. She co-edited Moonrise, which is an incredible book I have in my library that I lent to somebody, which I was going to show you, but she's, you know, it's a great, and she signed it, it's so exciting. It's, and the, it's about the power of women leading from the heart, like your mama Donna here, and author, she also authored Nature, Culture, and the Sacred, which is the topic of our conversation today. A woman's listen, listens for leadership. This book was just released on Amazon and in the chat, you'll find a link to the book. It's incredible. Um, I hope you'll all check it out. The first edition of the book won the Gold North, uh, Nautilus Award in the category of Women, Intersectionality and Social Justice. And that both books are being used to inspire and ignite learning in individual circles and classrooms all over the place. Thank you. Nina also serves on the Advisory Council of Daughters for the Earth, and in 2017, you guys, she received the GOI, the GO Peace Award, with her husband and partner, Kenny Passam. And that is for their incredible work pioneering to promote nature-inspired innovation for restoring the Earth and our human community. And past people who won that award are people like Bill Gates, James Lovelock, and Deepak Chopra. So we are so honored to have you here today, Nina, and just come off mute and just show um, this, this is a time for us to really hear um, some positivity from someone who uh, has the wealth of knowledge and the hui of people around to help us rise like a phoenix during these challenging times. And Nina is just recovering from COVID, so she's a double phoenix riser. <laughs> so please share with us your journey, uh, Nina, to becoming a, a pioneer and the amazing woman you are today and the role model you have become for so many of us. Well, Donna, you know, uh, I think before I start to share that story, what I would say is that it, I think this is a really important time for a dose of positivity and for questioning our assumptions. And so what happened for me was that, like most of us, I began to question, what am I here for? And what am I supposed to serve and what matters most to me? And really the answer to all those questions 
had to do with love and what do I love the most? And um, what I found was that I loved the natural world. I love nature. And for me, nature is the sacred. Um, and it's important for us all to remember that, of course, we are nature and we are regenerating ourselves all the time. So in many ways, I think this time is one of listening and remembering. Um, and so I started really paying attention to what I love most and what I found in my life that no matter how much or how often I did it, it always gave me energy and never depleted me because all of us have things we're good at, um, but that don't necessarily give us energy. And I think one of the keys to redefining leadership so that we can all wholeheartedly aspire to it is um, finding what uh, regenerates us. And it'll be different for each person, of course, um, but, you know, this is a time of regeneration and reinvention. So I started out just paying attention to what I most loved. And um, I found that I experienced an amazing tour through a biodiversity garden um, that taught me, uh, that was the most beautiful garden I'd ever seen. and that all made all my senses dance as I walked through it. You know, it had sunflowers that were about 18 inches across and eight feet tall. And they felt like they watched us as we walked through the garden. And um, <clears throat> that garden was a garden of relationship. And the master gardener, Gabriel Howarth, who was tending it, would introduce us to each plant and he let us taste them and he would introduce us by the Latin name and by their common name. And then he would explain how it was related to all the plants around it. And I fell in love in that garden. And then he started explaining to us how uh, all of the Earth's seed diversities, which were so necessary for our survival of our species were under threat by uh, corporations that were gobbling up mom and pop seed companies. And that the reason he was growing this garden was to try to protect all these amazing seed varieties that had been cultivated over millennia by generations of people who selected them not for their uniform ripening and not for their ability to be packed and shipped long distances, but for their deliciousness and for their nutrition. And um, so as I walked out of that garden, I felt the spirit of the natural world tap me on the shoulder and say, you're working for me now. And that evolved into um, starting a seed company. And it was something that I had no idea how to do. I had not been to business school a day in my life, but um, 
I was totally obsessed. And I felt as though I had never worked for anything as sacred in my life as the biodiversity of life on Earth. And um, so that was one part of the journey. Another part of the journey was being invited to help produce something called the Rainbow Warrior Music and Arts Festival. This was all before Bioneers. And I got to help, uh, I got to help produce this beautiful international indigenous and non-indigenous music and arts festival that really was a celebration of multiculturalism um, in 1989, sort of way before it became popular. And, uh, and so, you know, along the way, I started noticing that, um, you know, I guess I'm a natural born leader. Uh, I had a mentor early on who said, Nina, you could sell ice to Eskimos. And I thought, ooh, that's one of the crappiest skill sets I could ever have. But as I lived with that longer and longer, I realized that, um, I realized that it was not inherently a bad skill to have and that I could uh, share ideas that were important and not sell more garbage to people, um, more stuff that we don't need, but really um, share ideas and help produce this festival of ideas, which is what Bioneers is. And uh, it's a celebration of solutions. And as you know, Donna, because you've been there many, many times, you know, each year we kind of do a, a, an environmental and social star search. And we identify people, some of whom are known and some of whom are the greatest people you've never heard of. And then we get to put them all on a stage and, and film them and, uh, and, and really present the vision of what's possible because as everyone knows the mainstream media mostly carries the bad news and not the good news and along the way i realized that leadership was being reinvented and that it was largely women who were doing it and that as i worked with women leaders over the years uh, women who had been selected for their leadership and vision and commitment they all came to this six-day retreat that we would do, believing that they weren't leaders. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, if these amazing women leaders don't consider themselves leaders, then we're in trouble. How can we reinvent leadership so everybody, including myself, can wholeheartedly aspire to it? So, I mean, that's a smidgen of my journey, you know? Uh, I think we share a lot in common. Yeah, you know, I, I'm gonna want to hear more of your journey um, sitting on my deck with a Virgin Mai Tai soon. Um, and I just want to let everybody know that the name of the company that Nina started, and actually that was the same time I was in the natural foods industry, I, I came out of Alaska. But the name of the company, just wait to hear it, is called Seeds of Change, right? Seeds of Change, was that the name of the company? That was it, yep. Right, and I used to, I, I know we saw each other, I think we probably even danced on the floor, on the dance floor together. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, seeds of change out of that, seeds of change. I mean, just think of what that means, seeds of change for all of us right now. Um, we can all plant our own seeds, our own ideas. And if we nurture it and we water it and we um, put our plant the seeds in the right environment, we can flourish. And right now, that's leadership right there. Yes, it is. And leadership encompasses being a mother or a parent. You know, leadership encompasses making art and writing your book. And there's so many forms of leadership. And so I think we just need to be careful not to let the inherited cultural assumptions limit how we conceive of leadership. Yeah, yeah but, but, but how? And that's what I would like to, to talk about because this is a dose of positivity and most mm -hmm. of the people on this call right now are women and I know most of you who are on here right now and in my eyes Kat Haber's in the house she's been to ah. 10 times more pioneers than me um anyway you know we we've got these um incredible women and a lot of the people like Meredith is on the call right now who's 22 years old these are the these are our daughters right these are um, I don't want to say uh, leaders of the future because we're still here, we're still alive. But we we want to how how do we empower them? And and I think that leads us to to some of the what you have written in your in your books and until we'll put in your YouTube um, channel into the chat, you guys, because you want to listen to everything Nina's ever um, her spoken word is amazing. But share with us, like, give us some positive encouragement for all these women who are listening to this and all the men who have that feminine gene in them, which all of you do, by the way. We just need to tap into that. Um, how can that divine feminine energy inherently and profoundly make a difference right now moving forward in the 21st century? Well, for me, Donna, the answer to that is together. Um, really, when I started actively cultivating myself was the first time that I started sitting in a circle with other women and realized that so often we can see each other better than and more clearly than we can see ourselves. And, you know, I feel like after 15 years of working with women's circles, the biggest takeaway that I have is how women who are authentically aligned and in support of each other's leadership can exponentially grow our capacity and our courage and our voice. And so I think, you know, the biggest thing is don't try to do it alone. Use your sisters and lean on them because Actually, one of the biggest ways that we are reinventing leadership is by lifting each other up and recognizing that leadership is not a zero-sum game, as you know, Donna, you know, and, um, and here we are doing just that. Right, the best leaders, I always say, the best leaders are those who build other leaders. And you have been able to do that in so many ways, just with your grace and how you bring people to the stage, not just at the pioneers in, in, in your book, Moonrise, and all that you teach. And, and, and I think even in my book, the little section that I read, is sometimes 
women can be hardest on each other. And, and on ourselves. And on ourselves. Yes. And this is a really important time to be um, assessing and shedding cultural values and beliefs and limitations that may be getting in our way. You know, I believe we as a species are all being prepared for the next evolution of life on this planet. And in order to do that, I think, you know, our training used to be called cultivating women's leadership. And what I found was that leadership isn't something that you're necessarily born into. You know, that actually just in the same way that we who garden cultivate plants and, you know, make room for them to flourish and support them by feeding them well and doing ritual to strengthen them. Um, we have to do that with ourselves. And honestly, I feel like I'm cultivating myself now and I hope I will continue to until the day I die which is a beautiful process and very inspiring, you know? Yeah, I love that. And, and, and something you said just really hit a core with me because I think we are all born leaders. I think that we come out of the mother's womb. Um, you know, we come screaming and we come with a purpose. And what I see a lot of what's happening right now is this the dynamics that uh, the unsustainable American dream, the, the crisis of, of, of a lot of the burden of society ha has has numbed and dumbed. And it's a lot of unlearning right now. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of cleaning the pesticides and the chemicals out of the soil and uh, just like the toxic mining. Mm -hmm. And that's why when we show up here for a dose of positive or whatever we're doing in our life, like say it, it is is what am I drinking am, am I living on the future matters is what am I um, saying to that person is that something that I want to say that's going to help me be a better person and then be a peasant person to live like the future matters because we have been taught the, these old things and, and I'd love you to talk more about the the unlearning and how our indigenous cultures and the, and, the, and the sacredness of women for for since the beginning of time, the suppression and how we're, we're coming forward now. I mean, we're, and, and um, just speak to the undoing and, and the confidence building that we can do for each other as we sure. gracefully move forward. You know, for me, Donna, I think of myself as being um, comprised of four different octaves of being. There's my body, my heart, my mind, and my spirit. And unless all four of them are fully engaged, I'm not playing with a full deck. You know, I had a very beautiful, profound reminder about this recently when uh, we recently went through about two months of having a gigantic wildfire near our home. And it was very scary and it was smoky all the time. We had to have all the windows closed. And I realized my animal body was in a perpetual state of fight or flight, you know? And I was 
I was really stressed by it. And I reached out to a friend who had studied extensively with a Peruvian shaman. And I asked her because I knew that she had done ritual and prayer in order to keep her home safe during a wildfire in Northern California. And she had been successful. The wildfire had come really right up to the edges of her property and then not, not transgressed it. And so I reached out to her and she told me how to do a ritual to help protect our land. And it was so beautiful and it involved, you know, I mean, I almost could have made it up because we intuitively know these things, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she had me select a tree that would be my messenger tree and that that tree I would um, decorate with flowers and leaves and put offerings all around the base of the tree and send my prayers up through the tree into the mountain and into Pachamama. And remember, of course, in my prayers that, uh, that my gratitude has to go to Pachamama for everything. And that actually, you know, she is our mother and she gives so generously. And so in answer to your question, I think, you know, we, we are all products of a culture that has tended to have us turn down the value of our hearts and spirits and bodies and turn up the value of our minds. And actually, some of the unlearning we need to do is to practice turning up the volume of our spiritual practice and our hearts and our bodies. Because our bodies, my mother taught me really early on that our bodies never lie. And if we really can attune to our bodies and listen to the guidance that they send us, we'll be in much better shape. So I feel like, you know, my self-cultivation during this time when so much is difficult and uncertain and when, you know, the, the ghost of patriarchy is sort of swinging its dinosaur's tail and doing as much damage as it knows how before it dies, we need to strengthen ourselves and each other by reminding ourselves and each other how powerful we are and to value prayer and dream time and the wisdom of our bodies and, and to um, trust in the creativity that lives within us, that we can create the rituals we need to help strengthen the regeneration of ourselves, each other, and the earth all at the same time, because they're all octaves of the same thing. I just love everything you just said right there. The closer we get to nature, the closer we get to our true nature. I think I say that on every episode, um, nature, nature mm -hmm. for myself. Um, and when we listen to everybody who's listening to it, I mean, it says, I mean, I mean, they're not teaching that in kindergarten or college and so it's up to us to tune into each other and for uh, us to remind each other they they 
that women used to be burned at the stake for for saying things like praying to trees and all the woo-woo out there. And I don't think that's going to happen. But that's some of the unlearning we got to learn, right? We relearn that, you know, getting back to the, the sacred and to this interconnection of the Pachamama. I loved how you said that. So... Well, I hope it's not going to happen again, my friend. I mean, the truth is we have a runaway Supreme Court that's behaving like religious fanatics and trying to impose their will on all of us and quoting 17th century patriarchs and witch burners. So, you know, and and, um, we're going to have to show up for and with each other to make sure that women who need abortions can get abortions Absolutely. and uh, all of the above and and are not punished for being women. And it goes way beyond abortion. This is yes. women's rights. I mean, that to, to me, the, it, it's kind of like the cherry on the top of an explosive cake that, you know, they're, they're, this is just putting women in their place. And, and, it's just so regressive on so many levels. But this is a dose of positivity. But what you just said before that, I think that is so important. It's more important than ever for us to unite on these things and to have these conversations. And whether you're a pro-life or or, or not, uh, you know, we, we need to really think about this beyond even abortion. What this means. This is the right for women to be able to express themselves on many Well, it is, and I think there's a silver lining to how extreme the Supremes have been, which is that they have have revealed their hand. And the truth is, they've gone after women first, but they're going after gay people, and they're going after people of color, and they're going after young, uh, low-income people, and disability people, and... You know, if ever there was a call for all those groups to unite together, this has got to be it. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys, everybody on this call and everybody who's listening to the replay, you're in, right? We're in. We're not. (laughs) This is not putting us in our place. This is bringing us to a higher place in the human race. And this is... um, that's what what's so powerful uh, for the for for the listeners out there. If you have not been to the Bioneers, whether online or uh, on watching it uh, live on stage, you are going to hear from some of the most powerful leaders. I don't care, if, as young as twelve years old to uh, uh, women of color, uh, every single um, gender imaginable, speaking up for human rights. You tell, we'll put that link in the chat. But um, most of us on the call on the live chat, we're all pioneers. Yay for pioneers, everybody! Woohoo! Woohoo! Give me a pioneer high five there, cat. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, that the, the nice thing about that is when you know you have places to turn, like a lot of the people that I mentor who are coming from the deep south or wherever they're living, they, they haven't seen, a, they, they, they don't know, this is part of that unlearning and the relearning. They don't, if they don't know that people like Nina and me and the organizations like Bioneers, the Pachamama Alliance, Slow Food, Slow Money even, um, so many incredible uh, places that we can all tune in and you can find a lot of those resources on my website, donmulls.com. 
but Nina, I would love, we have, we have just a half hour left and I, I want to get to some of these, um, really important questions that I had for you. Like, you know, how, just, just, we, we've kind of touched upon it, but I think by answer this question, how, how your work knits together to strengthen intersectional healing and ecological justice, because we've kind of touched upon all that. And I love this knit together strength. Um, it's such a feminine women knit, right? But how do we, how do we, I'm keeping getting to like empowering everybody who's on this call and show us um, different things that we can all do in our own communities um, to knit together to strengthen intersectional and ecological justice for each and every one of us. Can you give us some oomph on that? Well, sure. I mean, I have to say I am such an admirer of Hawaiian culture as it is more inclusive and more connected to multiculturalism than most parts of the rest of the U.S. Um, in my own journey, what I found was that uh, the more that I worked with diverse women of color, the more that I realized how my privilege affected my experience, mm -hmm. and the more that um, my heart was broken over and over again by experiencing the truth of the pain and injustice and hurt um, that they were experiencing simply by having melanated skin. And I began to realize when I wrote my first book, Moonrise, that, um, that being a woman offers us an empathic window on injustice. Because we've all had the experience of trying to raise an idea or say something in a meeting and having a bunch of men ignore you, basically. Um, and, you know, having an aspiration that people don't take seriously. And so there are researchers who believe that gender bias is the deepest bias in the human psyche. And I think we get to be a generation of women who get to change that. And that's remarkable. And we're alive at a time when we actually can. And uh, it really counts. And I, you know, I've, I'm sure everyone's heard the phrase, we are our ancestors' dreams, right? And, um, you know, my ancestors uh, were Jews who fled Eastern Europe. And before that, they fled the African continent. And, you know, most often throughout my lineage, my people have either been oppressed or lived in a ghetto or been slaves, literally been enslaved. And, you know, that makes for a very strong sense of resolve that I don't want anyone else to experience that. And uh, again, I think it's a big time for uh, exercising our voices and noticing what we love and what we feel the need to stand against because it's such a polarized time and the truth is 
um, I think we're going from a two time, from a two paradigm to a three paradigm and to a much more fluid uh, definition of masculine and feminine, which we all have within us, and of the need to strengthen the feminine in every octave of human civilization so that, you know, there's more heart in business. And I think, you know, you were going to ask me something, Donna, about why social entrepreneurship is so important. Yes. And, um, you know, I think that, again, we have to be careful not to let ourselves refer to the definition that's a small pigeonhole, um, but let it be an expansive definition. Because social entrepreneurship is simply about dreaming up a way to bring something into form that you feel called to bring and that you actually are called to bring it because you love it or you're passionately dedicated to it and because it gives you energy to do so. And, you know, and ideally over time, it took quite a bit of time with Bioneers, but over time, you if you keep being dedicated to it, then you find the universe starts to meet you with it, and you can earn a living doing something that you love. And that's what I wish for everybody, Donna. I mean, really, there's nothing better in the world. So for a dose of positivity, serve something you love. Absolutely, serve something you love. That is so beautiful. Well, you know, one of the things that I think that people are really struggling with and well, we have for a long time since the beginning, humankind, um, I, I don't even want to call it humankind, human unkindness, um, is this inequality in, in, in not just gender, but in, in distribution of wealth. Mm -hmm. And when we're talking about eco entrepreneurship or social entrepreneurship, and um, one of the things that I, I tease when I talk with clients is just like, I'm here to teach you about how to have a five figure income. You know, it's you know, how repeat these things you get on six, seven, eight figure income. But I mean, if everybody was making $999,099 and donating the rest to land or humanitarian causes. I mean, what a different world it would be. Now, I, maybe it wouldn't be better, but in my mindset, just equal, just half of what we see now is distribution of wealth. And I would love to address that because right now, what you just said, like you, you, you're making as a pioneer. You don't have three houses and a, and a private jet, but you're one of the most influential heart genuine humans who've lived this extraordinary life so redefining success and wealth again unlearning everything we've learned and how do we teach this how do we almost break the silence of this patriarchal veil of hatred and greed and um so I just, I just think it would love for you to speak about the, the, the tipping point of your determination. Cause like I have my own story, but I wrote a book about it. And I think it's going to be really good if you write your stories, cause you've got some really good stories about like, like how you, the first question I asked you, how you became the woman you are today, even pioneers forward and just your story about 
how you were impacted by that garden, right? Well, Donna, the truth is a lot, a lot, a lot of my stories are in my new book. Cool. And the reason I made it um, and made it with uh, discussion guides and embodied practices to make it even more useful was because I felt like I wanted to, um, I wanted to offer my learning from close to 30 years of conscious exploration to cultivate who I could become um, and make that accessible as a, you know, as cues and clues for other women. Um, <clears throat> so a lot of that's in there. And what did you ask me? How do we break the veil of the illusion of, oh God, corporate capitalism and greed and colonialism and, well, you know, we practice deep profound respect for others and I think we practice it for others who are plants we practice it for others who are live in the ocean we practice it for others who have fur and fins and you know and we practice it for and with each other because frankly so much of what we've inherited is the commodification of life that, you know, practicing respect for the sacred in all its forms. And also, you know, I recently heard a talk by a woman speaking about um, the gross happiness index in Bhutan. Yeah, right. And it was beautiful, you know? And, and another thing that I think we can do and that we need to do. I recently read a beautiful blog that was about um, cancel culture and call out culture by Adrienne Marie Brown. And she has a way of putting things. And part of what she does in that blog is that she talks about the world she wants. And I think that as women, one of the insidious parts of patriarchy is that we don't often talk about what we most deeply desire. And I think that we are in a moment where invoking the world we want in prayer, in writing, in art, to each other, to the world, um, in all kinds of ways, has tremendous power. Because actually the veil between the world is very thin right. And I think we have a lot of ancestors and star beings and who knows what kind of energies amassed to try to help us. But we have to ask, you know, that's one of the core spiritual principles of indigenous practice is you have to ask for help and you have to ask in a way that's willing to sacrifice and show how serious you are about wanting and needing it saying it's better to choose than to want and to need because when you once you make the choice it's you're in, you're in power you're in leadership mode you're in, when you want and you need you're aching aching for something that you got to make that choice to change you don't agree with that right i don't exactly i mean i think needing is its own thing 
So I would agree with you there, but I think wanting is actually a really useful practice. The other practice that I wanted to share, because I think, I think we have sort of a cultural um, habit of not saying what we want. And frankly, whether it's in the bedroom, in our, you know, as we're cooking, uh, as we're creating a home, uh, all of the ways I think we need to say what we want. Um, and I don't think it makes us necessarily victims to say what we want. But the other thing that I was gonna say, let me just find it for a minute, is, um, ah, come on, Nina. Shoot, I lost it for the moment, but it'll be back. It'll be back, I love it. It's, it's good, I mean, yeah, wanting, um, I think too, um, and actually, if you guys haven't read the chat, Kat, I've been spitting out some really good stuff. It's really mm -hmm. good. Um, I, I, I think that this whole thing too, like um, wanting or yearning for something, once you know, maybe, maybe I'll phrase it differently. Maybe once you know what you want, make the choice to go for it or make the choice to make a difference with that identify with that want like when you when you're bleeding you know really bad you need to go to the hospital so and and and, and if you want chocolate don't feel guilty about it make the choice to eat it um, and then you don't feel so bad so identifying that want and then making making that choice and and i think our words are really important and, and you're so articulate when you speak and when you write and i can't wait to read this uh your book nature culture and the sacred and um i'm really excited to to read your stories and and your and your lessons and in, in there and i think all of us will gain so much from that but, well donna you know i should tell you that i actually recorded an audio book so for folks who like to listen that's a whole nother way you can absorb the book. I remembered what I was wanting to share because it was one of my earliest lessons from a guide who I valued greatly. And it was really early in my journey. It was like in my, in my mid twenties and I was yearning to know what my purpose was. Yeah. And I said, please, how can I draw to me a greater understanding of what what calls me what's my purpose and this guide said to me um there is a chamber behind your heart and if you call to you and yearn for that purpose and call it into that chamber behind your heart you'll be able to attract it to you energetically sooner than if you don't and so there's a very valuable practice of yearning right of just calling to you what you most want and desire i am um, i'm having a, an amazing love affair with my mother-in-law who is now going to be 102 years old oh my god in less on sunday and she keeps saying what a blessing it was that kenny and i met and, you know, I don't think I've told her, well, I did tell her, but she doesn't really believe me that I conjured him, you know? I called him into form. I had a list every night before I went to bed and I consulted it every single night to see if it was still true and still accurate and still in the right order. 
And when I met him, even though he didn't fit my outer picture of who I should be with, he fit my inner picture of who I was calling in exactly. So calling in is a tremendous practice. And we, as Kat said, heart calls. Our hearts have so much power. So much power. That is the true full spectrum leadership. We have to lead with our intuition. But I, before, before we go, I love that true full spectrum leadership. Mm. And I love the work that you do with the, um, the women's gathering and, and if you are doing um any of those i, I definitely would love to attend and, and give you again. But I, I would love to um like because everything you're saying is you're leading right now with your words right now from the heart and um but full spectrum leadership um it's good you know what is so interesting too i'm just remembering from us after one of the pioneers sitting on the on the bus um going to the airport and you and Kenny had just put out like not just three and a half four days of amazing energy it was like months and how tired you were and how you just fell into each other on, on the bus just like you as like one you know just it, it was such I, I'm getting goosebumps just Kevin and I just like we, we both noticed that when we left like um and, and, and just your both as leadership and just honoring none of this gender stuff, none of this out exterior look, but you that was full spectrum leadership right in front of my eyes right there. When I looked at the two of you, when I think of what full spectrum leadership is, that's the picture I hold in, in, in when, I, when, when I first read those words that I had on the tape. Um, but, but talk a little bit more about, before you go, just about all the leadership um, trainings that you do, or if you have anything coming up that people might want to hear about because um, or ongoing things and things that we can all tap into um, to keep um, getting more wisdom from you. <laughs> sure. Well, I am teaching a workshop at Esalen in late August. Um, that's for women and it's a six-day workshop and I'm teaching it with a beautiful teacher named Deborah Eden Tull who I have been partnering with to co-teach and be mutual mentors for each other for years and so that's a wonderful opportunity and the other thing is really um, I'm getting ready to have a little sabbatical time Donna this fall and uh, I'm doing a lot of podcasts, and if people go to my website, which is ninasimons.com, you can sign up for a newsletter and then you'll find out, or you can join my Facebook page or anything else. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of conversations and, and anyone's welcome to follow and to, um, you know, and, and the truth is, I mean, I don't feel like any of you need me. I think you need each other and you have each other. And you're on this amazing Aloha Island that's teaching you all constantly. And, you know, I'm grateful to be in a moment of starting to harvest what it is I've learned and starting to work with some people who want to do indigenous philanthropy and just listening carefully for what's next in my life because uh, it does keep evolving. Yeah, beautiful. 
And you know, you guys, we were privileged to have a few episodes back Alexa Buten, who's the um, co director for the Indigenous um, Department for Bioneers, as one of our guest speakers. And it's a great talk. Uh, and then, Kel, if you would put all the information in the chat so everybody has plenty of time to grab that. And it will be in um, the podcast station and the YouTube channel. We'll have everything in there um, for, for you to get hold of Nina and of course a link to to your book because um, you know we need more teachers we need more leaderships talking about nature culture and the sacred and each of us I, I, I really love something you said early on you know is, is just supporting really being being supportive really being uh, well you've said it several times but something you said at the very beginning is just like we're all in this together and if we don't start rising up and rising up and realizing that inter intersectional interconnecting um intergenerational respect is um the key to longevity for the pachamama and for our species you know, Donna, one of the things that I've begun practicing a little more consciously is just letting people know what gifts I see in them. Yes. We don't do that often enough, you know? And it's such a treat to tell people you love about their magnificence. Right. In a really honest, heartful way that's authentic and that's a reflection because that's how we strengthen each other, you know? Or ask them about their dreams. Yes. And then tell them how you see them equipped to have that dream, you know? Alexis Bunton's co-director. I just got back from a trip to New York, which was where I got COVID. And while I was in New York, I had to go to the Metropolitan Museum of Art because Alexis's co-director, Kara Romero, who's an amazing fine art photographer, has these huge photographs up on display right now at the Metropolitan Museum of Art and the Mo Museum of Modern Art. And for a native photographer, fine art photographer, you know, that's amazing. And I've witnessed her over the last 11 years become this internationally renowned artist. And it's such a joy to just keep reflecting back the beauty that I see in her. And that's a practice we could all do more of. Absolutely. Championing each other with positivity. <laughs> totally worth getting COVID for. A little trip to New York, a little side trip. Oh, well. <laughs> but you, like you said at the, at the very beginning, you know, when you and I were talking, you know, it, it's, it's just, it, when, when something like that happens, it, it's if you look at it as a, a gift, mm -hmm. right? It's it's how it's our attitude, how we look at anything that happens, and and when we think of things happening to us or for us, it's a big difference. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I, I'm just like, you know, in closing, like. I would love for you if you have anything else you want to say, but I just want to say to you, or like with that reflection back at you, thank you, thank you so much for being who you are, for showing up here today and bringing your vulnerability and, and your majesty to 
to us and to the world each and every day. And I know it's not easy to be in, in your shoes, the things that you hear and you see every day and how you're able to um, hold up with the amount of information that both you and Kenny um, are, are, are able to do when you bring these these stories forward of people's lives and situations and the indigenous people you bring up from the Amazon, like on this last Pioneers episode, those two women, um, when the oil spill was happening as they were on stage and portraying that and knowing that that was real um, in real life time. Well, thank you, Donna. And honestly, I'm a little allergic to the celebrity culture that we inhabit right now. Um, because really, my life has been a consequence of putting one foot in front of the other as best I know how. And I don't feel, you know, I feel honored to have this life that's full of so much that I love and that has fulfilled me in so many ways. Um, but I don't think I'm different than anybody else. And, you know, we all have amazing gifts. We just need to believe in ourselves and each other more, and we'll get there. And as I said in the chat to Kath, you know, we need to have faith right now that the arc of the moral universe bends toward justice, because it always has. And we need to have the resolve that our ancestors have given us to stay the course and strengthen our local communities and our food self-reliance and our water and our power and our power both inwardly and outwardly. And so with that, I would say big, big love, Miss Donna and Kat and everyone on the call. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and aloha. Bends to justice.